to be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Mills, quick pass. Nico at the five. Nico in the end zone. The dagger. And Grenard with the sack back at the 25-yard line. Touchdown, Houston. Rock and roll. Tremont Smith, coast to coast. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. Yes, sir, it is Texans All Access. John Harris here. My man, the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer there. Mark, nothing like working on your spring break. How are you doing, my friend? Johnny, it's not work. It's free agency. Now, <laughs> spring break is weird because... It's free agency time. It's spring break. The kids are off. I remember being at Disney World a couple of years ago. Maybe it was more. It was, two, it was three years ago. Online for the Avatar ride. Some of you know what I'm talking about. That's the longest line in the history of lines. I think it was three hours. And I said, you guys go have fun. I'll be here reading my phone for the next two and a half and then join me for the last 30 minutes. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened. I didn't mind at all. Just reading Twitter all day. Fast and furious transactions like we were getting today. Of course, nothing official till Wednesday at three. But this is fun to watch everything unfold. It certainly is that. And we are going to try and bring everything to you as close to the the action as it happens, as we get the news, whether it's a text we get or whether it's something on Twitter or social media. Um, this weekend, there was plenty of emoji use by players, whether they were free agents oh or they were waiting free agents. And uh, some of those came to fruition, i.e. J.C. Jackson. Uh, who is going out to the LA Chargers? Well, Mark, we have so we have so many things to get to just from a Texans standpoint that happened today. We'll try and go around the league at some point because I'm sure this will all sort of bleed into many of the things that happened today, including what's going on in Jacksonville. But we got to start right here. Two tweets. Two tweets. One okay. I will paraphrase. And it comes from uh, one of the hosts at WFNZ. For those that are uh, don't know those numbers, that is in Charlotte. The general John McClain said to them that Deshaun Watson and his team have essentially narrowed the list down to two, that being Carolina and New Orleans. Now, that has been out there for a little bit it's been reported by a few it doesn't seem as if that's it though there are a few others that think that Cleveland might still be in the mix I have seen one that said Philadelphia might still be in the mix it is very fluid and then this tweet came out Mark about an hour ago Houston has declined Indianapolis's attempt to speak with Deshaun Watson Houston comfortable trading Watson, just not in the AFC South. Mark, there's so much that we have to talk about. I'm going to end every sentence with you with gut reaction. A, (laughs) to the fact that Carolina and New Orleans, seemingly the two that are vying for Deshaun Services, and B, the fact that the Texans. Now, Adam Schefter put here, didn't want to do an AFC South. Now, he may have been just tagging that in as his information or him reading into it. It could have been the Colts just don't have a package because they don't have a first-round pick this year, and that doesn't help the Texans at all. So it could be the Colts just can't put together a package that's good enough at that particular point. 
But Indianapolis out, Carolina and New Orleans still in. Maybe Cleveland. Your gut reaction to all this is going on. All right. Well, the Colts thing, first of all, jumped out at me, of course. And in the things that would never happen department, if I happened to be manning the switchboard at the Houston Texans and a call came in from the Indy area code and it was for Nick and I said, may I take your call? Oh, it's Chris Ballard for Nick Casario. I, look, I would never interfere in company business on the football ops side, but I would have taken the call and said, listen, listen, <laughs> this ain't happening, okay? Yeah. Now, I'm not putting this call through. That's a hard no on any kind of interaction with the Colts on shipping anybody of value there. I don't care who it is. It's not happening. I'm not helping out the Colts, but we'll trade you the entire roster. Well, maybe that. But seriously, you're not going to get that, and you said it. They don't even have a first-round pick this year. I don't care what they give you. You can't do that. The other thing is this. As far as Watson's camp reportedly, everything's reportedly, look, like we said on Friday, there are no facts here. It's all reports from different people, right? It might be Mm -hmm. true. It might not be true. It's just reports. That's all we're talking about. It's just conversation, right? So if that's true, that his camp reportedly rejected everybody but Carolina and New Orleans, all right, that's one thing. But who's leaking that? I hope nobody on the Texan side because, my gosh, I want leverage, right? What if one of those teams bails and now you're down to one? Well, you know what? We'll give you a bag of chips. No, I (laughs) – and by the way, I'll, you know, I'll ride that out as long as I have to. Uh, But, again, I'm not handling those negotiations. So uh, I found that to be interesting. I thought that based on reports, that made sense, those two NFC South teams. I think the Brady news ties in because, hey, the Buccaneers had to do something, right? If they were really in this mix – they needed Brady's answer now before the sweepstakes really get revved up. So they got it, and they move on with their transactions because if Brady took another week, they might have made a deal. Who knows? If not for Watson, for another quarterback. So they're okay. So I think it's, uh, you know, that reportedly it's going to come down to those two NFC South teams, but you never know, like you said, Johnny, because the other reports are still alive. And Philadelphia, quote, actively monitoring what does that mean? I'm actively <laughs> monitoring this, too. Doesn't mean I can make a deal. I mean, I'm more than actively monitoring it. I mean, I'm, I'm hitting refresh. I'm hitting refresh every five minutes. I mean, I, I've, I've gotten to a point where I'm so ADD with it. I started an article today mm-hmm. because one of the signings, and I, I think we talked about this on Friday. I can't totally remember. Uh, but Christian Kirksey is re-signing with the team. Now, I don't know if we've made that official, but it's been out there. The numbers of the contract have been out there. Mm-hmm. And so I sat down to do a football one-on-one on Kirksey, and I found what I was doing, and those things take a long time. I mean, it took me three times to pick up my phone and cycle through. Did anything happen? Did anything happen? anything happen? Okay, good. I went back to writing. Did anything happen? anything happen? anything happen? Okay, but I went back. It, the article took me forever. It took me like three and a half hours because I kept checking Twitter in between and they normally take me about an hour and a half to two, but it was ridiculous how often I was hitting refresh. So, Carolina, New Orleans, if you are wondering, and I know that you are, here, here are the, uh, if you want to look at it this way, Carolina has the sixth overall pick in this draft. So, Mark, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch it to you, just based on this okay. year's draft alone Carolina has the sixth overall pick but here's what it doesn't have a second or a third 
in this draft. They pick sixth overall. Then they don't pick until the 107th pick. And ironically, that came from us, the Houston Texans. So that's the next time that they pick. And that one, pick 107 was in the uh, Nico Collins deal from last year. So if my math is correct, they pick sixth, but there's no second or third, which I know you would like to have presumably a second, mm-hmm. but you have a third. New Orleans picks 18 overall, but they also have a second-round pick, their own, number 49. They do not have a third-round pick because that goes to us in the bradley Roby deal, but they do have what looks like a compensatory pick at the end of the third round, I think, here, if I'm looking at this right. Uh, pick number 100. Now, I don't know if that's a, a set one. So they have a second and a third-round pick. It's a way late third-round pick, which pack is just based on 2022 alone. Would you want sixth overall but no second and no third or 18 overall, and they do have a 49 and 100? What would you do? Well, I want to know what other players are coming, right? Because with the okay. Carolina deal, you would assume that there's some players that are coming your way. That's maybe not a good assumption, but I would think that there would be somebody, and it okay. could be somebody really good. I know they have numerous guys who could possibly help your team. So I think that plays into it, Johnny. I mean, as far as the packages, that's one thing. What fascinates me, and we, t- we touched on this on Friday. I-, I know this has been discussed, but it's – a takes two to tango situation because the Watson camp with the no trade clause, they have a vote here and it's a very significant one and you want to handle this correctly. And, you know, I, I don't know exactly how Nick's handling it, but I assume it's correctly. And I, there are numerous ways I get that also, but you want to make sure that you have the most possible value coming back. And then I see all these other tweets about, well, uh, he wants to go to a team where they're not going to be so depleted. But here's the thing about the Texans situation. Yes, we all know what happened in 2021, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the same thing's going to happen in 2022. But look, at this point, that's leverage, right? That that kind of thing could play out again. So that's how you have to approach it. And I'm sure that, you know, it's in the best interest of everybody that a deal gets done, right? And right. Watson wants to play football. So, you know, and I know they're very serious uh, charges, uh, not charges, but uh, accusations are still out there with the civil suits, and that's not another matter. That's a very significant matter. But I think this thing is coming down to the wire as far as the league year start. Uh, reportedly, there are meetings tonight. I don't know how they're doing that. You're in room A and you're in room B, and I'm going to go back and forth. I don't know how they're going to do that or if it's Zoom or whatever. But they'll figure out a way, and that's their problem, and then we'll see if a deal can be struck. Because you know what's going to happen tomorrow? Depositions. And that's going to be interesting as well. And you know who? Nobody in the uh, Texans can, but, uh, you know, because they don't have access to it. But somehow that stuff's going to get out, right? The contents of such meeting. Of course. Of such a meeting. So uh, there are a lot of things to consider here. It's drama playing out in real time. It is absolutely. I mean, there's so many things that are happening so fast and furious with this. And just because it's talk radio, I'm going to hit you with one that our man Tyler Sudarth hit me with. Because we were talking about that Carolina situation. And Mm -hmm. he said, would you take 
Christian McCaffrey back as one of the players. And I thought for it, I thought about it for a second, and then I went to something and said something that I've thought and I think about Christian McCaffrey. And I said it when he was drafted, and I he's one guy that I think could do this, and probably should think about doing it sooner than later. I think Christian McCaffrey's days at running back are numbered, but I think Christian McCaffrey, the slot receiver, could end up being a very interesting sort of piece going forward because he has those skills. I mean, his, his pass receiving skills and being in the slot, I mean, that's, I mean, he's totally comfortable with that. I mean, he did it at Stanford. And so from that standpoint, I thought, yeah, maybe I get a year or two of them out of running back, but when he's done taking 25 hits a game, he just slides right over to slot receiver. I pay him like a slot receiver and I throw him the ball like a slot receiver and he's taking fewer hits. He's just as productive uh, and as a slot receiver, maybe I don't pay him as much as a running back. So I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, thought. If Christian McCaffrey's in the deal, does that entice you at all? If that deals with well, Carolina, of course. He's in the midst of a four-year, $64 million contract, right? Mm-hmm. So he's two years into that. And, I, you know, I'm not a capologist, but I've got a bad feeling about you have him on your team – and I know what you just said about slot receiver, but didn't we say that about, hey, Arian Foster can extend his career that way. Yeah. Hey, yeah. David Johnson should be a receiver more than a running back. These guys, you tend to want to just hand them the football and throw it to them. You tend to want to keep them at their position group. I don't know too many times it's actually totally worked. I think yeah, he's I a tremendous think weapon. Yeah. yeah, when healthy. And are you taking that contract off? their hands is it a david johnson type situation where okay we're gonna make this deal but we're gonna take this contract and uh, you know maybe the player can help us maybe not we'll see uh i'm sure he obviously can if he's healthy uh look david johnson even in uh 2020 david johnson averaged over four yards per carry which right now seems like the moon right when you look at the lack of running production overall uh in 2021 but I don't know. It, that cannot be even close to a centerpiece. It has to be right, an hors d'oeuvre, right. a side Absolutely. dish, Agreed. and contractual situation, and you just did it to make the thing work. Right. And there's and it cannot be the most or even among the more attractive uh, elements of a deal, in my opinion, and I don't think it will be. Yeah, I agree. It, I, I, absolutely. I was not even thinking about him as, as the filet mignon. I was thinking about him as a mm. uh, potential pizuki at the end of the meal sort of thing. You know, <laughs> Brussels where, sprouts. Yes. Like no, the good no, ones. Like, no, 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 I, I don't. I, I refuse. I refuse. You don't to think they're good you. enough? I refuse to talk to you about Brussels sprouts. I never. <laughs> I, no, I had them one time and I gagged and I said I would never. One time. Ever, yeah, I never would have them again. Never. No. Uh, Drew, oh, my Drew gosh. Always ask for them because I'm in charge of sides when we go out for our big combine dinner. And then he's like, yeah, Johnny, get the Brussels sprouts. I'm like, no. I don't even eat them. Everybody else does, so I don't know. Maybe I they, should. They, they got to be almost burnt. They got to be almost burnt. And that's in, the, that's in the category of vegetables that were big when you were growing up, and then they go out of style, but they come back in. And now people are eating beets. That baffles me. Why are you eating beets? They're I worthless. No, they, I, they must be very I, healthy. I don't, I don't need either one of them. So here we go. More Texans news. Okay. And I don't know if I'm going chronologically because – Probably not. Uh, This is probably, I think, the latest thing that happened. The Texans have cut veteran offensive tackle 
Marcus Cannon. Cannon, 33 reportedly. years old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah reportedly. Um, we have not announced it, but I've seen it in many places. The Texans will save uh, $5.2 million in cap savings. Won't take on any dead money hits by releasing him. Mark, I will say it, and then I'll let you give me your gut reaction to it. I didn't have any problem, and I never have any problem with bringing in capable, experienced, and good offensive linemen. So I didn't have any real issue with bringing in Marcus Cannon to see what he had after a year of opting out in 2020. It was just unfortunate he could not stay healthy. I hate it because it looks like a bad deal, but taking a shot on a lineman that's been successful in the NFL, I didn't really have too big a problem with. And if those guys up front could have stayed healthy, you know, who knows what could happen had they stayed healthy. They just couldn't. Laramie's out by week five. Marcus was out, I think, by week four. And those are your starting tackles. But Marcus Cannon cut today. Your gut reaction. Worth a shot. It didn't work out. It's too bad. You move on. It's not like you gave up the world to get him. It's not like you're cutting Laramie here, right? right. It's Marcus Cannon. And it, like you said, if it had all worked out, even if 90%, 80% of what they planned offensive lineman-wise had worked out, they should be able to run the football. Actually, earlier on in the season, you know, with, with full health, they were having difficulty. But we don't have to address that right now. Uh, 2022 is a new year. Uh, but I wasn't surprised, and I think that it enables both parties to move on, so why not? The Texans allegedly, according to Drew Rosenhaus, super agent, the Texans have re-signed Terrence Brooks. Your gut reaction? I think Brooks helps the team. He makes you deeper. You know, a lot of these Texan signings, like we said on Friday, and I don't expect it to be any marquee-busting stuff. You know, I think a lot of people uh, – are pointing out, hey, who, th- these guys, it's not like they're moving the needle with Pro Bowl signings. N- really? What were you expecting here, right? You're trying to build a solid team. You have to field a team. You have to field a 90-man roster here. Everybody they're signing right now doesn't mean they're even going to be on the final 53. And Brooks helps your squad. He makes you a little bit better, okay? But you're going to get a whole lot better through the draft, through maybe some other free agent signings as this thing goes on because we're only in day one here of this legal tampering negotiating period. The league year begins Wednesday. So it's fine. I like it. But you and I talked about this. It's not like you're getting a lot of sexy signings. I know you're going to mention Anthony, and it is Anthony, not Anthony. Anthony Eclair, who they also reportedly signed. Hey, another solid guy. They need tight ends. Bring them back. See what happens, right? Right. So uh, I'm glad you handled that because that was basically what I would say. Look, he's a wide tight end. He puts his hand in the dirt. He blocks people. Um, That's not anything they have on the roster at this particular moment. Brevin would do it. I don't think he's built for it, and I think he's probably better served in the role that he is and more of a kind of pass-catching kind of F-tight end role. But Anthony fits in well. This one, neither one of us can really say too much on. I will say I I did study him back at Tulsa. The Texans claimed, allegedly, the Texans claimed cornerback Reggie Robinson off waivers, waivers from the Cowboys. He was a fourth-round pick in 2020. Height, weight, speed, 6'1", 205, and can run. Uh, so Reggie Robinson is claimed off waivers. And that's one thing, Mark, and I don't even know because it happened during the period in which we were dark off the air. We talked about it maybe a little bit during uh during one of our podcasts but the texans made a big 
claim, waiver claim back in January. And I don't know how many people paid attention to it, but Kingsley Kiki, who had played at Texas A&M and had a really good career at Texas A&M, had gone to the Packers, kind of got lost in the shuffle amongst some high-profile uh, defensive line players in Green Bay, kind of had a little running with management from what I've heard behind the scenes about just uh, just something that happened about whether he was going to play one week and they didn't communicate to him. And it just got, it got to a point where he needed a break. And that break came and the Texans claimed uh, Kingsley Kiki off of waivers. I think Kiki can play. And I think this defense actually suits him pretty well. I'm curious to see what he has when we see him. But that's, these are two waiver claims that I got to say, Mark, they're going to fly well under the radar screen. But I think teams that use the waiver wire to their advantage, it ends up paying off in a big way. And hopefully these guys will end up turning out to be contributors on this team. But when I think about waiver claims, I think about the Colts claiming uh, Kenny Moore off of waivers from the Patriots. Patriots just had uh, too many in the back end, and they said, eh, you know what, 5'9", 190, I, we just can't do it. The Colts said, we'll take him, took him off waivers, and he ends up being a Pro Bowl after four years. So these waiver claims, that's another way to build your team, and they've done that with Reggie Robinson and also Kingsley Kiki. Now, that was back in January. Now, over the weekend, we've not heard this to be, again, 100%. We have not gotten it from the team. I would imagine Nick Casario and company have got things going on right now they're thinking about. But Chris Moore and Chris Connolly apparently mm-hmm. have re-signed with the Texans. Mark, your gut reaction to the two Chris's staying here. Well, we saw both of them make plays this year, right? They both yep. made big plays at times. And, again, just trying to round out that position group. You expect them to dip into the draft for that, right? right. And who else? I mean, who knows who else comes along? Nico Collins has to rise up here in year two and take that next step. You still have Brandon Cooks on the team. So, all right, fine. But you want to add another youth piece here, another rookie, to see how he could develop along with Nico and really build that solid unit for years to come. Conley and Moore keep you going for a while. We've seen good things out of both of those guys. So I'll see. And I love that Kingsley Kiki point you just made because that was under the radar. George Ranch High School, good to have him aboard. Again, trying to fill out that roster. Wait for the draft. You're going to get more picks once this deal is done. Let's get the deal done. Get some high picks and add to it that way. Based on the five players you drafted last year, pretty good track record so far, small sample size. Got to continue that into year two in the Casario era. Look, this is not happening overnight, but I think you can get a whole lot better. I thought last year's team could have won two or three, maybe four more games, you know, with better play, better moments. But as I say that, Johnny, some of the moments we had were made by players who weren't exactly household names or anywhere on anyone's radar as far as the Texans go uh, prior to the legal tampering period last year. So let's see how it plays out. Yeah, no doubt. We told you earlier in the show that news, I don't know if breaking news, but we would try and give it to you as much as we possibly could. Aaron Wilson, who everybody knows here in Houston, is one of the best in the business. When it comes to information, man, he's got it. He tweeted this about two minutes ago. Sean Watson has completed his meetings with the New Orleans Saints and Carolina Panthers, according to league sources, teams, sent their top people, including Mickey Loomis, the GM of the Saints, Dennis Allen, the head coach, 
Panthers owner David Tepper and head coach Matt Rule. And this is one interesting piece at the end. More teams to follow. Huh. So. Well. There we go. Let's just see. <laughs> somebody somebody replied, this ratio. Yeah. It's got, you know, and you know, it was just a couple of minutes ago, a few minutes ago, and it's got already 284 ret- retweets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, and. Uh, 649 likes and 112 quote tweets. So, look, this thing could happen tonight. It could. Remember on Friday, you asked me to predict, you know, you said, would it be done by the time we get on the air Monday? And I thought it would because I knew there was a sense of urgency. But I didn't take into account the possibility of actually meeting (laughs) of his camp, meeting with the prospective teams. But here we are. It's uncharted water city. I'm mixing metaphors now. We'll see how it goes. All right. Well, we're going to take a mile break from it. We're going to let that action play out. And we're going to learn mm-hmm. about a potential Texan. He played at LSU. He didn't play a whole heck of a lot. But D.P. Sidhu sat down with Tyler Natuno from LSU, USA Today. Uh, their site is the managing editor there. He has watched SEC football. He knows Derek Stingley inside and out. Could he become a Texan? And if he does, what will it look like? We'll have that next on Texans All Access. Texans All Access continues in a moment. Teachers and parents, are you looking for an educational resource to keep your students engaged? The Houston Texans Toro and ConocoPhillips have partnered together to provide Toro's Math Drills. Toro's Math Drills is a free video series that will challenge your students to math topics like fractions, multiplication, division, and place value. All while having fun. Sign up today for free at HoustonTexans.com on the Kids School Program page and run your students through Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Go Texans! Go Texans! Go Texans! Go Texans! Back to the show that keeps you plugged in with the Houston Texans. All this free agency talk, trade talk. Oh, man. How about some draft talk? Got a little lull on the action, if you will. We just had Aaron Wilson reporting that Sean Watson has finished his meetings with the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints. And he said more teams to come, and teams plural. So two more teams, this could get uh, interesting. Well, a guy that's very interesting that could end up a Texan is Derek Stingley Jr. Tyler Natuno covers LSU for LSU Tigers Wire. Now, he did cover the Gators for Florida and just got to LSU, but he certainly knows a lot about the SEC and he knows a lot about Derek Stingley. DP City sat down with Tyler to find out what Derek Stingley was all about. We're continuing our top NFL draft prospects series and next up cornerback Derek Stingley out of LSU. And we have got Tyler Natuno. He's managing editor and writer for the LSU Tigers Wire and USA Today. Tyler, thanks so much for joining us as we sort of uncover more of the draft prospects. And let's talk some Derek Stingley. I'm very intrigued by him. And we saw him at the Combine. He didn't really do much. He's been battling with injury. But thanks, first of all, for joining us. And and your thoughts on Derek Stingley, where he might actually land in the draft. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to be here. And so the thing with Stingley is he's in kind of an interesting position because you're talking about a guy with all the athleticism in the world. I mean, he's a really special player just, just watching, you know, what he's done when he's healthy. But, you know, as you mentioned, he didn't uh, participate in the combine this week. He's coming off. He's still recovering from a Liz Frank fracture in his foot, which I'm not a doctor, but I've heard that can be a tough one to come back from. 
So, uh, you know, he's still kind of recovering, hoping to be able to be a full participant at the pro day on April 6th. So we make it to look at him run through some drills next month. Um, but for the time being, you know, I mean, he's a guy that came in as a, as a true freshman, was a five-star recruit, started every game for LSU and during that national title run. And I mean, he had some absolutely unreal production that year. I mean, six interceptions and 15 pass breakups, I believe, for a true freshman in the SEC pretty unbelievable and as much you know as much talk as that offense gets with Joe Burrow you know the defense and, and Derek Singley's play was a big part of that team's success I mean I think you look at him he's a really long player he's got good size he's crazy athletic I mean there's a clip I saw I've, I've seen going around Twitter this week of him in practice in 2019 going up against Jamar Chase and I mean he's yes. standing with him step mm -hmm. for step breaking up balls like he's there so, I mean, I think, I don't think there's any questions, assuming he's got a clean bill of health. I don't think there's any questions about his athleticism, his, his ball skills. Everyone talks about how fluid his hip movement is, stuff like that. He's, he's, he's all there and he's got the NFL skill set there. I think there are questions about him a little bit when it comes to his effort in the run game. His tackling numbers have never been great. I and mean, they dropped off with, with really all of his production the last two seasons. He didn't hasn't had an interception since his first year in 2019. You know, missed a couple games in 2020. Only played in seven of the 10 games with some injuries and an illness. And then missed all but three games this past season with that injury. So, I mean, we really haven't seen him. And he didn't get targeted a lot as a sophomore either. He didn't get, he, I think he said at the Combine this week, he was targeted 90 times as a freshman and 30 times as a sophomore. That's exactly what he said. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say, how much does that figure into the lack of interceptions? Just the, and, and is there something that can be read into it that he wasn't targeted as much after having such a great freshman campaign? For sure. Yeah. Like, I think that always plays into it. It's really hard to keep up production like that as a, as a, as a corner, because I think you see this in the NFL a lot too. You know, once a guy gets a reputation as just a lockdown guy, like you're not going to test him. Like, you know, when you're playing LSU, you just know you're not going to throw to Stingley's side of the field when he's there. So I think that definitely, like, I wouldn't personally be too worried about the production as much the last two years, because between his health and his reputation, I think it makes a lot of sense why that dropped off. I think, like I said, I think just with him, the biggest question is we haven't really seen this guy do it on the field in two years, in more than two years. So, or almost, I guess, almost three years. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of questions there, but like I said, I mean, if, if he's recovered from that foot fracture and he's ready to go and can put up some good numbers at the, at the pro day. I don't, I mean, it might, you know, maybe he'd be a top five pick if he had been completely healthy the last two years, but I still think there's a good chance he's top 15 kind of guy. All right. He was the number one recruit in the country coming to LSU. How did he manage those expectations and really deliver and, 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 and make a, such a big impact in his first season? I mean, I think it really just, I think it really just boils down to just how talented he is and how confident he is. I mean, you hear him, you know, he, he said he's the best corner in this draft. Yeah. Um, he's got a strong, you know, sauce Gardner's really good, but he's got an argument for sure. You know, I think he just came in and I think he was just one of those guys that's too talented to not be on the field. Like, you know, even when he's raw and rough around the edges in some ways. And I think from, from, I think that there's, I think he could do for some improvement in terms of like play to play consistency and like effort, I guess you could say, like, especially, like I said, especially with the tackling game. But I think he's just one of those guys that, you know, he can cover any receiver that you're going to line him up against in the college game. Um, and probably most in the NFL too. So I think, I think it was just mostly that. I think he was too good to keep off the field. And I think we saw, I mean, just how, when, when, you know, you, you, you're scouting a team and you see they've got a true freshman playing at corner, you're like, okay, we'll test that. And then that just didn't go very well.
whenever they tried. Yeah, I love that he said he's the best cornerback in the draft class when he's playing at his best. And he said it with a lot of confidence. So what does set him apart from uh, some of the other cornerbacks in this draft class? And, you know, what, what is the case mm-hmm. for him being the best cornerback? Tell us some of the strengths of his game. I mean, it, it really just comes down to the fact that he's just very unique in his skill set. It's really rare that you find someone that's, you know, he's, he's got good size. He's six feet. I think he plays a little bit longer than he is. Like, I think he's got, he's got a really good wingspan. He's got you know, just very fluid movement. He's so he's got the athleticism, he's got the size, he's got the ball skills. I mean, he really does have everything you look for in a corner. You just hope that he can develop, you know, become a more consistent all around player. Because in terms of coverage, I mean, I, I think I think you'd be hard pressed to find a better co- uh, coverage corner in this draft. I don't think there's really anyone that as good as some of the other prospects are. I don't know if there's anyone that's just quite as talented as he is across the board there. All right, he was a two-time first-team All-SEC selection, and and you mentioned him going up against Jamar Chase in practice. I'd seen those clips as well. They really had gone viral, how well he covered Jamar Chase back in 2019. What can you tell us about maybe the best game or the best matchup that you've seen of his during his time at LSU? Well, so the one I can say is that I, uh, I covered him in person for the game against Florida in 2019 when I was working on the Gators beat. So I, I saw him in that game, and I mean, Florida had offensive success in that game, but I mean, just throwing on him, he's just crazy. He made a great play at the end. He, he forced, he, he intercepted Kyle Trask. It was really the only mistake Trask made all game and it cost him the win. I mean, just to see a true freshman in a game like that, like high scoring offensive game, make a play at the end. It was pretty, it was pretty spectacular. All right. What about adversity? I like to find out about these prospects, any adversity they've, they've gone through and how they've handled it and come out on the other side. Um, You know, I mean, I'm sure he's had some, some, you know, some issues along the way, obviously injuries are a major one. I mean, it's tough, you know, to, to have such a big debut season and then be limited to 10 games over the last two years. You know, I think that's been tough. And obviously, you know, for a guy that was a former five-star recruit, number one overall recruit, I'm sure, you know, being sidelined and, and not being able to quite, you know, I'm sure he thought his, his college career was going to pan out a little bit differently after the way it started. So I think injuries, yeah. Injuries yeah. Is, a, is a fair amount of adversity, especially what he's gone through. All yeah. right. So uh, what about personal? personality wise I mean obviously the world got to see Derek Stingley at the podium and he's full of confidence but what about cover in your time covering him what has really stood out to you about what he's like off the field or his personality you know I think he's I think he's kind of got that that kind of I guess edge you look for from a corner like I think I when I I think of like the personality of a corner I guess like my mind goes right to someone like Jalen Ramsey or something like that and I think that He's maybe a little bit more reserved than that, but I think he's got that that edge and that that kind of confidence, and he'll he'll you know he'll he'll gas himself up and he'll talk some trash if need be. I think. What about other prospects out of LSU that Texans fans can keep an eye out for? Because if it's not Derek Stingley, maybe it might be somebody else in a mid or later round. What are what are some of the other players that we should be watching out for? You know, I think that a player that has kind of been overshadowed this whole uh, this whole draft cycle kind of maybe by Stingley is linebacker Damone Clark he's projected as a like day two maybe early day three kind of guy but he was insanely productive he had uh, 135 tackles at LSU this year which was first in the SEC and second nationally I believe and uh, you know he's just a guy you know and he, he tested really well at the combine he was in the upper half among linebackers he's got good size so I mean He's, he's got all the production to, to, you know, to go with what you like to see from a college linebacker. And then he tested pretty well athletically. So I think he's a guy that, 
maybe is a bit of a project player. Like, I don't know if he's a day one starter at linebacker, but I think he's a day one contributor. And I think that he's someone that could end up being viewed as kind of a steal in this class. Also got to give some credit to kicker Cade York. Uh, if there's any kicker that's going to get drafted this year, I think he's got a good <laughs> chance of being that one, you know, one of the better kickers in SEC history and did pretty well at the combine too. So I love seeing kickers get drafted. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. pretty baller when a kicker gets drafted. All right. We're looking forward to seeing uh, the rest of your work. That's Tyler Natuno, managing editor, writer for LSU Tigers wire and USA today. You can follow him at Tyler Natuno. N-E-T-T-U-N-O for all of his work. Tyler, thanks so much for the time. And we look forward to seeing more of your work in the future. Yeah, absolutely. All right, DP, you're kicked out of the friend chat. You're, you're, you're out. Kicker, really, it'd be fun to draft a kicker. It, it, I don't even know you anymore. Now, you, you did get a great answer about the Mo Clark, and I'm kidding, of course. You know how I feel about kickers. I like Kaimi, and that's about it. The Mo Clark is a dude absolute dude i was talking to my buddy austin mendez who's producing and doing a great job for me we we're asking he asked me about troy anderson from montana state i brought up chad Muma from wyoming demont clark is kind of in that same mold from lsu brian asamoah is a little different than those guys smaller faster quicker more explosive the texans are going to have to get some young linebackers they've got four unrestricted free agents in the linebacker core they just uh restructured with kevin pierre louis kevin pierre lewis and they, they re-signed Christian Kirksey, and they have Garrett Wallow. They've still got to get younger at that particular position. They still have Tay Davis, and I know I'm missing one guy in that group as I ripped that off the top of my head, uh, Connor, Connor Strahan and Josh Watson. They have to get younger at that position. And you can get younger and more explosive in this draft. Demone Clark is definitely a guy to watch. Now, as we were playing that interview, eh, nothing happened. Believe that. But, man, day one of free agency has been, as they say, off the chain, as the young kids like to say. We will look at all the things that happened, including the changes in one particular place in the AFC South. Oh, my goodness. Jacksonville wants to win March again. That's next on Texans All Access. More Texans Radio is on the way. The March winner of the Houston Texans Star of Courage Award presented by Apache is Deputy Investigator Rishi Singh with the Harris County Sheriff's Office. Deputy Singh dedicates his time to serving and protecting the citizens of Harris County while also supporting his fellow officers and has raised more than $10,000 for fallen officers, serves on the peer support team and hostage negotiation team, and speaks to fellow officers about the importance of asking for help. Thank you for all you do, Deputy Singh. To learn more and to nominate a first responder today, visit HoustonTexans.com slash Star of Courage. When you're craving the delicious Whataburger Buffalo Ranch Chicken Strip Sandwich, time moves more slowly, like in this commercial. Because waiting for three crunchy chicken strips for nine seconds feels more like an hour. Imagining melty cheese for eight seconds seems like a fortnight. And picturing tangy buffalo sauce and creamy ranch for 13 seconds is like an eon. Ah, That's a long 30 seconds. But this sandwich is so worth it. The limited time Whataburger Buffalo Ranch Chicken Strip Sandwich is back. Just like you like it. Just like you like it. Texans Radio. The Drive continues. Oh, does it ever right here at Texas All Access. John Harris here live in the Hyundai Texas Radio studio. And there's, man, there's so much going on around the league. I mean, I just hit refresh and it's like, another guy got a deal. Another guy got a deal. The Carolina Panthers, every time you say Carolina Panthers, everybody's like, whoa, 
Uh, no, this is for L.A. Rams guard Austin Corbett. So the Panthers, uh, they needed to get that offensive line right because they might be good at a quarterback. Um, so they needed to get that offensive line together. Uh, so there's that. Now, I mentioned the AFC South. This news came up, I think, right before the show started. The Indianapolis Colts will be losing one major piece of their offensive line. He's been there since 2018 and been a really good guard. After getting waived by Seattle, Mark Glowinski stepped in at right guard opposite Quentin Nelson. Glowinski agreed to a deal with the New York football giants. Glowinski leaving Indianapolis so one-fifth of that offensive line. So that offensive line that was so good for so long. Costanzo, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Glowinski, Braden Smith. Costanzo retired last year. Glowinski gone. There's more than just a quarterback needed in Indianapolis. Now, Jacksonville, at this point, doesn't need a quarterback. That's their guy, Trevor Lawrence. They just needed to add pieces around him and, oh, my goodness that they come out and fire on tampering Monday they gave a massive deal to wide receiver Christian Kirk who I know Aggies remember he had played with Arizona in his career he's had in his career four years four 100 yard games in his career and he just got paid four for 72 can go to 84 to be I would imagine that that money, wide receiver one, I don't think the Jags are bringing back DJ Chark, so Christian Kirk added to the receiver core. Before that, they threw down huge money for Brandon Scherf, all-pro guard from the Washington Commanders. Scherf steps in next to Linder at right guard. Jawan Taylor's there. Andrew Norwell's unrestricted free agent. I don't think that worked out very well. I think it was okay. I don't think it was great for Norwell coming over from the Carolina Panthers, but he's an unrestricted free agent. But they add Brandon Sheriff to an offensive line that I always thought underachieved. I always thought the talent was there at underachieved. So Brandon Sheriff next to Brandon Linder is a good center guard combination. Then they added Evan Ingram, the life F tight end, pass-catching tight end. He's as good a receiver at the tight end position if he's healthy. And that's a major piece. So, on offense, they add Christian Kirk at receiver, Sheriff at guard, Ingram at tight end. Pretty salty. On defense, they then got big. They went and got Folo Fatukasi, the nose tackle, interior defensive lineman from the Jets. They then added Foy Olakon from the Atlanta Falcons, who I believe led the league in tackles last year. An incredibly incredibly underrated player. I think it was a great pick to put next to Miles Jack. It bolsters uh, their linebacking core on defense. So Fatu Kasi Olukun, Mark is going to have to say those names this year. So uh, <laughs> good luck, Mark. But the Jags getting better at some key spots. They, again, are looking to win in March, and they can because they've got a rookie quarterback They've got to hit on some of these. They have to for the Jacksonville Jaguars to turn the corner. Obviously, they have pick number one. I think that will – I think it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson, given the fact that they franchised Cam Robinson. They drafted Juwan Taylor in 19. So he's going on year number four. 
I think they will bypass tackle. They'll take Aiden Hutchinson as my guess at number one, uh, and then we have to face him twice a year, so yay. Um, but the Jacksonville Jaguars just threw it down, and they had the money. They had the money, so, I mean, why not? Why not? I mean, you go ahead, you do that with Kirk, with Sheriff, with Ingram, Fatu Kasi, Olukun. Again, this is just a tampering period, so nothing is official until things are signed on Wednesday. I believe it is 3 o'clock Central Time is when the new league year begins. That's when trades and signings all become official. Big shout-out to Keon Crossan. I don't do much on Instagram. I just read everybody else's stories and look at all their other things. And I saw that he was in Miami, and I was like, oh, man, that's cool. He's on vacation. No, no, no. He negotiated his own deal today with the Miami Dolphins, three years, $10.5 million. So congratulations to one of my favorite guys that's ever walked in that building, Keon Crossan. Pays off to be a special teamer. Big thanks to Mark, to Austin back in studio, to DP, Tyler Tuner, and all you guys out there listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. What if your preferred hospital could also be your primary care provider? At Houston Methodist, we go beyond hospital care, offering you everything from flu shots to well woman exams to managing your weight and cholesterol. And our primary care doctors and specialists are connected all across the city. So whatever the need, wherever you live, we can be there for you. Visit HoustonMethodist.org to find the care you need at locations throughout Houston. Houston Methodist. Leading medicine. Leading.